This podcast is sponsored by Hudson the Puppy. Hudson, for all your sitting, fetching, spinning, paw-giving, midnight barking and bottom-sniffing needs. What I want to know is, how does a puppy manage to afford to sponsor a podcast? And how does it even know what a podcast is? For that matter, what is a podcast? Uh, oh, never mind. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it's a complete paroxysm of delight to be here. But wait, we have a guest with us. We a do have a guest. guest. A very special <laughs> guest. Yeah. Yes. Our um, guest this week is yes? none other than uh, yes. Dominic McDowell-Thomas, who we will refer to as Dom for the rest of this conversation, because that's a really long name. Not, not, not <laughs> yeah, I've actually shortened it now, but I'm, I'm, I'm just McDowell. <laughs> I got sick of having to like try and fit it in on books. It's just ridiculous. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is quite, quite a mouthful, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, for those who don't know, um, Dom is the head honcho, chief bottle washer, uh, general, general. What's your actual title there? CEO, president. Um, yeah, I've gone with the, I went with the uh, the CEO. It seems to be the the style of the times. Fair enough. So CEO of Cubicle Seven, who produced. Doctor Who, up until recently, The One Ring, uh, Warhammer in various yeah. flavours, and a RPG, whole bunch Doctor of Who. other stuff. Yeah, yeah it's a few, isn't it? <laughs> Over uh, the years. And, uh, so, so CEO, that's Chief Evil Overlord, right? Uh, yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shall we, shall we do some podcasts? Oh, I have a brilliant idea. We could, have, we could do a section about news. How about that? A, a section on RPG news? That's a uh, novel. Well, apparently so. Apparently we're the only podcast in the entire world that actually does a section on RPG news specifically. Yeah. Let's get on Please. with it then, shall we? Yes, we should. Onwards. Uh, all right then. So, uh, let's start with some Wizards of the Coast news, shall we? Oh, I don't know. Let's not, let's start, let's not start with the big, big Wizards of the Coast news. Let's start with a, a middle a middle ground Wizards of the Coast news. They, uh, they oh, announced... Okay. Uh, do you remember last year they uh, announced that they were opening up a video game... Um, uh, department uh sort of studio uh based in i think it was austin in texas i think i recalled a teaser for the trailer of that announcement yeah it was um it was a couple of guys from bioware that they teamed up with they've uh they formed this they've officially announced this new studio now it's called archetype entertainment okay and it's headed up by a couple of guys called james olen and chad robertson who are both former bioware developers Mm mm-hmm and uh, we don't know an awful lot about it, except um, they're going to be using it to make... So they're not using it to make D&D games, which is what I, th- I thought they were going to be doing. Oh. Um, they are creating an original IP, and they say it's set in an all-new science fiction universe. Hmm. Cool. Though okay. I'd be amazed if some kind of tabletop stuff didn't follow on from that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting but, to see what, kind of what, what type of uh, projects they're working on as well. I, mean, I think... There, there can still be a difference between the types of stories that we tell um, in yeah. tabletop and, and what tends to um, be the focus for, for a lot of um, video games and things like that. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what they bring. 
Well, you can yeah. sort of look at um, Orland's credits at Bioware. So he worked on mm. Knights of the Old Republic. He mm. worked on Dragon Age Origin, Origins, Mass Effect, yeah. and, and both Baldur's Gate games and Neverwinter Nights. Oh, so a pretty well, good heritage there then. Yeah, <laughs> so I think that gives us a sort of idea of the sort of thing that we're probably likely to see. He's a man who likes using computer games to tell stories. I'm yes, pretty yeah. confident with that, yeah. 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 I mean, we found out about this, I think it was like April last year we originally found right. out about this. So it's taken a year before they actually announced anything. So I'm, I suspect in the last year quite a lot has happened behind the scenes that we don't know about. There's probably, mm. you know, they're probably halfway through developing it or something. Maybe. Who knows? A lot, lot of game design and kicking ideas around. Yeah. A lot of groundwork needs to be going to a computer game. So, uh, well, should we stick on um, video games for the moment? Uh, oh, okay. So yes. we mentioned the Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous video game recently. Yes. Which was the sequel to the Kingmaker one. They yes. have launched their big Kickstarter for it. Ooh, uh, they launched it this week. I think it was only about two or three days ago. It shot mm-hmm. past 100k, like, within an hour or something. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. really, really quick. As you'd expect, I suppose. Um, yeah. And it's... Um, let's have a look. Yeah, it's... Uh, Half a million pounds almost now. Mm. Yeah, approaching like seven seven hundred thousand mm. dollars with uh, with over a month left to go. So wow. this is it's Pathfinder One based. Yeah, which surprised me a little bit because um, I mean I don't know I don't know how much um, Pathfinder One stuff they still sell, but I'm definitely you know moved on to Pathfinder Two now. Mm-mm. But I don't know whether that's like a universal thing or not. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a it's an isometric single player game. Uh-huh. It uses Pathfinder One, but also it's got an extra. It's called they call it a strategic layer of gameplay where you can uh, you you become a commando and you gather troops and you reinforce your stronghold and you and you control armies on a on a map of the region, which sounds quite fun. Yeah, that sounds yeah. cool. Well, I don't know how that compares to something like because I, I I'm really into those Total War games, although I haven't played one in quite a while. That's kind of my my where I'm at when it comes to sort of um, uh, strategic level gaming. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to beat Total War, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. I, I always quite like the moving the armies around on the map. That's fun. Yeah, that's always like, fun. Yeah, when they're actually having a fight, but then there's the rest of the stuff. I'm like, look, I beat these guys about three times already. Why do they keep on raising rebellions? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's just, it just gets fatigued. Okay, I'll beat them again. Fine, I've got a unit of cavalry. On the high ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it must be you. Everyone keeps raising rebellions against you, Peter. It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah. You should let them have food and things. What? <laughs> 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 Get off him, McDowell, your strange ideas. Food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. Hey, have, you, have you guys heard about the uh, latest unearthed arcana? How to how 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 describe this? Um, Charlie Fox drop? Inc- incident over uh, Wizards of the Coast? No, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I actually, although you know my policy on unearthed arcana, which mm-hmm. is not, um, <laughs> somebody went fishing and found the latest file before it was actually officially released. And. Then it went all over the internet. People were like, oh, how exciting. And so it was like, so, uh, Cleric of Love. Yeah. So basically, Unearthed Arcano is their playtest rules. For those that don't know, it's their playtest rules. They release every two weeks, every month or so. And it's usually a PDF of four or five pages that has some subclasses or some rules or something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, then they do a survey the following month to get um, feedback from it. Uh-huh. So as, as Peter just said, some, uh, this one wasn't ready to be released quite yet. 
but somebody on the internet somehow managed to guess the web address of where it was on Wizard's site. I think probably you can look it at the pre- URLs. Pretty easy. They've yeah. got quite, quite similar URLs. So, yeah. yeah, and with the date on the end, haven't they? So you can kind of work out. So someone found it and posted yeah. the URL on, I'm going to guess, Twitter? Somewhere like yeah. that. Uh, and people started looking at this uh, playtesting. And one of the things in it was the uh, Cleric's Love Domain. And how, how did Emmy Allen describe that? Did you see that? Um... Oh, no, I missed it. I'm sure it was not. I'm sure it was not not kind. <laughs> well, it, it was. It wasn't kind. I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to repeat it, but um, uh, yeah, they basically said um, uh, Wizard of the Coast have tried to create a love domain and seem to have accidentally created a roofy domain. Oh. <laughs> 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 anyway. Yeah, that, that, that appears to be the size, but yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so it exploded all over the internet with people, you know, saying this thing that they're describing as love domain has nothing to do with love. It's all about control, which is fine, I guess, if you yeah. called it like the control oh. domain and oh, evil yeah. clerics started using it and stuff oh, like that. That's, absolutely. Yeah, that's totally that's fine. That's like yeah. full on lean into the evil. And it's like people say, yeah. whoa, whoa. That's a bit too evil for me, but I see where you're coming from. I yeah, yeah. But that's like, yeah. oh, it's love. Yeah, it's I, like, think, yeah. I not, think the problem like, was that they called it love, and that's clearly not love. So they removed that. It works so well when we address it in gaming as well, you know. It's not yeah. something we should just <laughs> stay the hell away from. <laughs> well, I've always thought the, charms person sp- the charm person spell was always oh, more God evil like. than any necromantic spell you could think of, really. <sighs> I know. I, I I went trawling through fifth edition for like the, all the enchantment spells, mm. and there's just not enough of them to do the proper full-on evil overlord style enchanter, which it really needs. Because quite frankly, necromancy. I think there's a really good argument that you can use necromancy to do stuff like for a social good. Well, these people are dead. How about we put them to work in the fields, and then you guys can crack on solving problems and using your brains to think as opposed to using your backs to work hey, Peter for Prime Minister yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> with, his, with his policies of necromancy, excellent yeah, oh, they're right, it's so, so much nicer than enchantment yeah. anyway, what was I saying, so they, they removed that uh, article yeah. and then a couple of days later replaced it with uh, and officially launched it uh, with, a, with, a, with a similar article, but uh, in this case, they'd replaced that love domain with something called the unity domain and replaced oh. the um, sort of mind control power with yes. one which allows allows to take damage for each other. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah, is less right. problematic, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> less exciting. <laughs> yeah. But it's just one of those things that just exploded on the internet as these things do. Mm-hmm. But I, I still, I still think the main problem was just calling it love. If they just called yeah. it something else, it would have been fine. Control, uh, yeah. domination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. They'd be like, yeah, this is this is the real domination. People are like, oh, correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. a bit severe. Oh no, no, that seems fair. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, that happened. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, Dom is carefully not commenting here. He's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm doing that thing as well, thinking that the but it was like something that was not meant to be out there either. This isn't something that was. Yes, really yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Ah, huh. so, so they didn't actually launch it themselves. This was somebody basically like in the air quotes hacking. With you, you say that they had actually uploaded the formatted document to the place exact place on the server where it would be launched yeah. I find it hard to think that they were going to actually replace that document before they announced it 
But they didn't actually announce it. No, no. Someone but, yeah. someone found it just before they did, I think, is probably what yeah. happened. They should find that person and give them some money. <laughs> well, you know, it's a playtest document. They yeah. put it out there. They want feedback. They got feedback. They changed it. I think everything's working as intended, isn't it? Per- perfect example of a playtest document in action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Peter can't stop laughing now. Look at that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and we've got some Roll20 stats. Oh, how exciting. Yes. So, um, Dr. Is some... into Roll20. I can tell, by the way, he's looking. He's like, yeah, Roll20. He's on the edge of a seat. <laughs> well, it's, it's quite interesting. It looks like D&D. I don't know if this is a trend that's going to continue, but it looks like D&D may be approaching its peak, the peak of its meteoric rise, according to these stats. That's an assertion. So, uh, in terms of games run, D&D showed its first drop last quarter. And it's increased a little, um, recovered a little this quarter, but hasn't hasn't gotten back to what it was three quarters ago. Did that make sense? Three so quarters ago, it hit a peak, then it went down, then it went yeah. up again a little bit, but not as much as before. So it's I, hit a peak, I know what I mean. Down, <laughs> and it hasn't recovered its former heights. Yes. is what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're uh, only talking we're only talking two or three percent in it here. We're not talking yeah. massive, great big, massive, great big things. Um, but it, it does make you think, is there a point where D&D's rise is going to start to level off a little bit or not? I don't know. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be a top to everything, hasn't there? And would that be a good thing? Um, I don't think it's a good or bad, bad thing? thing. It just is. It's... Well, it's, 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 certainly, it's certainly a topic worthy of discussion. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the more popular D&D is, as I, I see it, the bigger the, the bigger the market is the bigger the industry is absolutely doesn't it it's um uh certainly has the uh the, the very large brand awareness and uh, yeah new blood and all the rest of it so uh yeah no i think i think there's still there's still room for growth yeah i think it was i can't remember, i think it might be jonathan tweet who said that um mm-hmm. when at the time in his career when he was in competition with dnd um, uh, he, he was just saying um the way he looked at it was basically all these dnd players were potentially his future customers, uh, uh, uh. with D and D being the gateway, you know, the gateway thing into the hobby. And, and let's not forget that there are people who will genuinely not have heard of RPGs, except maybe in the vaguest of ways. And then coming out, we've got the Critical Role series. Yeah, and that's going to be like, oh, is that what RPGs are? Well, I might have a look at those. And then who knows what will happen? Yeah, yeah. Certainly, more people have, you know, certainly people have heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, that yeah. again haven't necessarily heard of RPGs or know the details of what it might be. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, uh, if medieval fantasy isn't your bag, it turns out that there are systems out there like oh I don't know, sci-fi, horror, um, maybe even playing around Victorian stuff, all sorts of periods that could well be your thing. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so sticking on the subject of stats for the moment, I uh, you know those ICV two rankings. Mm. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've been recording those since 2004, and I've got this big chart of all the rankings going all the way back to 2004, every quarter. And I decided to whack them all into a spreadsheet this week mm-hmm. and then hit the chart button at the top of the spreadsheet to see what happened. What? And did you get a chart out? I got a lovely <laughs> chart, which basically shows all these different games going up and down. It's really quite a pretty little chart, actually. I'm quite impressed with it. Um, you can see That's D&D fantastic. running along the top, then it has its sort of dip down yeah. when 4th edition came out. 
and then, then it rises back up again to when fifth edition came out, and then you've got Pathfinder doing the exact opposite, rising oh, when okay, uh, yeah. fourth edition came out, and then down again. So um, I, I, I write that chart up on my up on my um, website uh, website website. I know what it's called website, <laughs> and, uh, but I also did something else. I decided to total up the number of times people had appeared in the chart. Oh, so okay. I, I did this. I allocated five points for a position one. Right. Four, uh, four points for position two, down to one yeah. point for position five, because it's always just the top five. And then just okay. added them together, going back to 2004, just to see, right. you know, how, you know, how dominant various games were in the chart. And just, I mean, results were probably what you'd expect. Uh-huh. Um, so in total, D&D scored 211 points and was right at the top of the chart. Uh, Pathfinder uh-huh. second with 120. Yeah. And then we've got World of Darkness down with 62. Uh-huh. And then, uh, Dom, you'll be glad to know this, Warhammer 40k was next. <laughs> yep, no, I said, that's got such a fun place in so many people's hearts, isn't it? Yeah, oh. yeah, so that was that was there at 55, and Fantasy Roleplay was up in the top, the top five or, uh, yeah, it's like number oh. one, two, three, four, five, six, it was eight on there, it was yeah. 28 points. But it's quite, it's quite interesting, because you can just sort of see also, you know, like, there was GURPS, back in 2004, oh. was showing up on the chart for quite a while before that dropped off. Oh. And uh, things like Star Wars have been pretty solid on it, despite changing different publishers. Oh. I mean, Warhammer's done the same, hasn't it? It's changed. Yeah, absolutely. It's been various well, publishers was different over the years. systems as well. So, uh, back, going back to 2004. Yeah. So we had... What? see Star Wars, I think, was, uh, was around then. So it's, with Warhammer, I think... was it, Did Green Ronin have it back, in, back then? Yeah. Um, it was, um, yeah, Black Industries and Green Ronin. Yeah, and then then it was FFG. Yeah, and then us. And then you, with a with a little 40k dip from Ulysses Spiel, which never quite took off. It was there. Uh, <laughs> it was again. Uh, no, it had ambitions. Was, I, they, yeah. were, they were decent ambitions, I liked it. But I never saw it myself, so I don't know. But people tell me that the execution left something to be desired. Um, I, well, they, I think that you know that we we all have our different styles and approaches to stuff. Um, absolutely. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very very diplomatic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, a lot of hard work went into that, and um, you know, I yeah. think that we, we we can always find things to pick on, can't we? Yeah. 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 But, um, no, no. There's, there's a really nice game in there. <laughs> yeah, the altered carbon Kickstarter. Oh yeah, oh, launched okay. this week. Which I'm, I'm quite interested in. Hmm. I watched, I've watched the first season of the TV show. I've never read the books, but I watched uh-uh. the first season of the TV show, and that was good. And uh, there's a new there's a new season coming, I think, with was it Anthony Mackie from uh, the Marvel Universe. Ooh, is, okay. is he Falcon? Uh, what, the guy? Is he basically, is he the flying paramedic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the wings, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I think I think he's uh, I think he's the new star of the show. Really, How exciting. But anyway, the, the what we call it the, the the Kickstarter has launched now, mm-hmm. and um, it's doing probably about as well as you'd expect, as in very well. Mm-hmm. Yes, excellent. Uh, I'm I'm back in it for sure, uh, and Onyx yeah. Path uh, also reviving uh, another Kickstarter. This is uh, Hunter the Visual Second Edition. Ah, yes. Which I think they only just announced that today, today or yesterday, like very, very recently. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we had great fun with that back in the day. I've never yeah. actually played that one. Uh, I no, think it must have the first it. edition one. But um, yeah, no, it, it was a good, I think after um, playing the angsty monsters for uh, 
so long, it was uh, refreshing yeah. to actually just go and hunt our angsty selves. <laughs> so, 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 so what? Really bizarrely, I've played loads of Vampire LARP due to what I can describe as terrible life decisions. Mm-hmm. I've played about three or four sessions of the New World of Darkness Vampire, and I've played like a short campaign of Mage. But yeah, oh. the Hunter stuff does look pretty. I, th- I couldn't tell you which version of Mage I played, because people keep on telling me, and it keeps on going in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. So is Hunter a bit like The Witcher then? You go around hunting monsters and undead and stuff? Yes, yeah, but you're not The Witcher... You're buffed. You're the other guys. Have I got it completely wrong? I thought it was. Wasn't it? Isn't it? It's modern day, isn't it? Modern day vampire hunters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, Oh, here we go. Hunter the Visual Second Edition, a modern horror game for players committing to hunting the supernatural. There we go. Yeah. So you're hunting down supernatural, but you're a guy, and you may or may not have a have a pointy stick to take down a vampire with. <laughs> this, this is not a game that goes 100% well for you. As I understand, I've never played, but I would be quite interested because it does sort of sound very much my jam. Yeah, that's cool. Well, they're launching a the Kickstarter, so go back it and you can play it, Peter. Ooh. No, I'd get to run it for us. I, I, think, <laughs> I think you understand how this works. <laughs> Someone else needs to back it so they can read the damn book and then I can play it. That, 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 that's, how, that's how this hobby works. Right? Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, right, I think we are, in fact, done with the news then. Okay. So? <laughs> I feel informed and entertained. <laughs> um, uh, well, we do en- aim to entertain and to amuse. <laughs> yes. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Um, Dom, are you, uh, are you familiar with our favourite game in all the world? Um, no. <laughs> well, for us, if you give him the full title, he'll get all well, the I'll tell you the game. title of the game, and then you'll also know the rules of the game. So the uh, title of the game is Our Favourite Game in All the World, the game where I tell you the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the title. Ah, that's intriguing. <laughs> that, that is the title and the rules of the game, all in one. Okay. Would you like, would you like to go first then, Peter? Yes, please. Show Dom how it works. I okay. like the way you say... I'm going to show him how it works rather than how it's done, because I think that's an <laughs> accurate and fair summation of this process. <laughs> All right, then. All right, Peter. Okay, hit me. What is... Yes, yes? Age of Ambition. Ooh, Age of Ambition. Ooh, bum, 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 bum. I think that is... Um, it's a setting book. I think it's probably for a system. Huh, Ambition. Uh... I don't think it's Fifth Dead. Nah, which is unusual. I don't think it's... It's not got world, so it's probably not powered by the apocalypse. Um, you sure it isn't some sort of like pyramid scheme setting book? You know, you've got <laughs> harsh quotas. You've got to buy in a lot. Are you ambitious? Are you, can you rise to the edge? Uh, are you a go-getter? Are you motivated to succeed? <laughs> there we go. It's like, clearly it's the um, handbook for... Um, where you can play the part of door-to-door double glazing salesman, um, encyclopedia salesman, or vacuum salesman. And uh, it's unusual in that you're essentially competing to see who can do the most convincing pitch to the GM as to exactly why they should buy uh, your particular set of knives. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, a nice series of one-offs. Um, I'd go with protein drinks ventry. rather than encyclopedias. I think it's protein drinks. <laughs> you think protein drinks? Yeah, I could get on board with that. Yeah, if Ooh, only, protein. if only it was. <laughs> Wait, you're saying Age of Ambition isn't that? Oh, well, I, 
Go well, on, let, let's see if it's better then. I will say you're close if we use that little known meaning of the word close to mean a really, really long way away. <laughs> well, if you look at the world from an Einsteinian point of view and the universe, if you go far enough away, you're, you're, you're close, you end up quite close You're again. close to a non-Euclidean point of view, shall we say? <laughs> Fantastic, my favourite kind. <laughs> so, Age of Ambition, it calls itself a forward-facing fantasy mm-hmm. role-playing game. So, it's a core rule book powered by a system called Saga Machine mm-hmm. by okay. a company called Tab Creations. Okay. Uh, uh, and they say, Age of Ambition is a tabletop role-playing game set in an age rapidly leaving the traditional fantasy milieu... milieu? How do you pronounce that word? Milieu? Milieu. Milieu behind it's the game of forward facing fantasy where the heroes help guide the world into a brave new era of promise or uh, i see so it's sort of like um almost a renaissance sort of thing where you're going from the pseudo dark ages slash medieval period i guess so because their inspiration in. include uh, joe abercrombie's first law series which is mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of that uh terry pratchett's yep. Discworld. Which is yeah, a little different. Yeah. Scott Lynch's like, uh, Gentleman Bastard series. Yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, the Powder Mage trilogies from Brian McClellan. I don't know of that one. Oh, I've heard that. I, I keep meaning to read that one. Hmm? Analog, isn't it? I, think. I don't know. Hmm? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but the, the system, a Saga Machine system, apparently it's been used for, in use for over a decade, um, including Shadows Over Soul. Have you heard of that game? Against the Dark Yogi? No. <laughs> You're just thinking Yogi Bear now, aren't you? I'm thinking Yogi Bear. <laughs> so, the picnic baskets will be <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's what that is. That's okay. a really cool racing uh, influences there, though, isn't it? I, I'm intrigued. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I really do want to see an evil version of Yogi Bear in a role-playing game now. That sounds amazing. I- I don't think Age of Ambition has you covered. So I'm, I'm sorry. You may want to play Honey Heist, where you can get a criminal version. There is of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> so unfortunately, you've got yourself uh, minus 10 points out of 10 there, Peter. <laughs> strong the universe is safe again. Strong start. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. When When is the Kickstarter coming out? When uh, does it end? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's out now. Uh, it what? ends Thursday, February the 20th. And you can pledge $20 for all the PDFs. Oh, very good. That's... 20 of those American dollars, just in case you were confused. As opposed to Anzac bucks. Yes. Okay. Or dollar Okay. Are you ready for a go then, Dom? Uh, oh, Dom. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you it's more fun than it sounds. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what is The Waking of Willoughby Hall? Ah, um, The Waking of Willoughby Hall. Um, that is, that's definitely going to be about sentient houses. I think it's probably a period drama. Um, Willoughby Hall sounds, sounds kind of period, doesn't it? I think that that's, um, is it like... Very, very English name. Yeah, yeah. I th- I'm getting sort of a North England vibe, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. So I'd, I'd imagine it's um, about the awkward dating scene of 18th century <laughs> sentient houses. <laughs> That's my bet. Nice, nice. So you've got the Brontes, got the Austin. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The problem with mm-hmm. this game is the suggestions that people come up with, I always want it to be that rather than the actual thing it is. 
<laughs> so unfortunately it's not about um it's not about that but what it what it does have is a very angry goose apparently oh very angry goose. Yes. so this is an osr adventure okay it's, it's angry right. rather than <laughs> it's set in a ruined manor beset mm-hmm. by a rampaging giant roving bands of restless dead and the aforementioned very angry goose very cool is, is horrid goose now like a copyright, copyrighted term? Is, is what, sorry? You know, horrid goose from the um, the, the uh, computer game. I don't know. Oh, What's that yeah, one um, with the title? Of that? It's the yeah, one where there's a lovely village and you are a horrid goose. I am not, I am not just go around familiar with this. Causing trouble. I'm, not, I'm, I'm too old now to remember this stuff with any accuracy. Okay. You ready for another one, Peter? Dive straight. <laughs> so this is yep. the artifact. Oh, that's an amazing name. Um, the artifact. The artifact. So I'm hoping for something monolithic. I'm hoping for a one-off adventure. Um, let's have it be a sci-fi one uh, where you just found something that's been created by artifice that's what's an artifact uh but it's of an unknown origin and um this is just like a incredible mystery and you're trying to solve it what if the unknown origin was jackson pollock sorry what if the, un- if the unknown origin was jackson pollock then it's kind of a, you know, an arty fact then isn't it <laughs> it's an arty fact yeah. i'm specializing in dad jokes <laughs> <laughs> Cute tumbleweed sound effects. <laughs> and I keep interrupting you. Should should I'm sorry. I should buzz before I do that, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh. should I? Should I tell you what it actually is? <clears throat> so this is a solo RPG. It's been published oh, okay. in uh, zine format. Not zine, as I'm often told. Zine format. A 28-page zine, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually remembering how to pronounce zine. Yeah. Uh, craft a unique magical item and play to find yes. out how it changes as it passes through the hands of many different keepers. Oh. Hmm, that sounds cool. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a solo play. Designed for one mm-hmm. player, um, and it's right. kind of a, a classic dungeon crawl. You follow the lives of adventurers, and you're kind of wondering what those treasures were doing before the adventurers came along. Like, how many years mm-hmm. have passed in silent darkness since they were last used, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Where, where was that ring that led for it to end up in that fish as you found it on the uh, floor of your fishing boat? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, uh, when, when's that Kickstarter? Uh, so that finish? that ends on Sunday, February the sixteenth, and it's uh, uh-huh. it's ten pounds. Oh, I guess it's a, a UK based one. It's ten pounds for the PDF Favorite and a print pounds. copy of the zine because it's only twenty eight pages. So I suppose uh, it's quite okay. cheap. Well, yeah, I mean restricted, but it's, it sounds interesting. I might actually take a punt on that one. So, right, last one then, last one. And this this okay. one's for Dom. Can Dom pull it out of the bag? Right there. No. <laughs> this, one is <laughs> this one is called. Uh, I guess I love the title of this one, actually. This is called Valor Knights The Electro Cube War. That is an amazing title. Oh. That is cool. I like yeah. that. This. So I think this is a spin off from Terrorhawks. 
the uh, <laughs> 1980s um, Jerry Anderson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so if you're remembering that, you had... You had the cubes um, and, the, and the spheres, didn't you? Yeah. The cubes were the good guys and the spheres. What was it called? Was it the, bad guys the, spheres? the spheres. The spheres were the good guys. Oh, was it? Yeah. Was the wrong way around? Yeah, yeah. Sergeant Major. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. and he actually had Come a moustache, didn't he? Yeah. He did. The, yeah. He was a rolling yeah. metal ball with a moustache. Yes. Like a little <laughs> ice lick that opened up. Yeah. And he had Zero, who, who was spherical, but lived on a space station, because that's how Jerry Anderson rolled. He's like... What about that one really annoying family member? Let's just send him to space. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of every episode, they had a little noughts and crosses game, didn't they? Yeah, they did. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's wow. a very civilized kind of conflict resolution model. You know, the rest of them, it was loads of explosions and stuff like that, but they could just settle it all with a bit of tic tac toe. Exactly. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would make a that that would make an awesome RPG mechanic, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I love the way that, that example also only takes three percent of our audience with us. <laughs> That's um, yeah. Everybody else has to Google and be very confused by what Terrorhawks terror actually is. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, there you go. I, I think that that firmly loses me the match. <laughs> Was Terrorhawks before or after Thunder Thunderbirds? After, yeah, because Thunderbirds was way, but way before my time even. But Terrorhawks was good, but it was super weird. It was. I can't see anyone giving him money to make it unless it's like, this is the guy that makes Thunderbirds. What could possibly what go was wrong? The, what's the name of the weird witch that lived on Mars? Zelda. Zelda. Zelda, Zelda yeah. But her yeah. whole family was kind of weird. I don't remember what her what her like weird son was called, but I remember Zelda. <laughs> she had a very distinctive laugh. <laughs> yeah. They were a bit yeah. zombie. No, not zombie. What's, they, they were a bit undead, though, weren't they? They were very undead. I, di- I don't know what was going on with them. They were very scary when I was a small child. Yeah. Oh, somebody <laughs> needs to make a Terrorhawks game right now. I insist. I'm pretty sure there's a D20 version out there. There probably is, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what this is is not a Terrorhawks game. It's basically a, a Transformers-esque RPG. Yeah. It's Transformers... Sort of. It's not. It's not real. It's Transformers. totally transformed. <laughs> it, 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 it's Transformers, but we can't afford the rights. Transformers. Yes, yeah. it's a core rule book. Yeah. It's an OSR system using yeah. a hybrid combination of uh, the Black Hack. Okay. And uh, I don't know this one, but the Blackest of Deaths game Ooh. system. Oh. I'm not familiar I, with that. I've one. heard of the Black Death. I haven't. Bla- the Black Death. The Black <laughs> Hack. Black yeah. Death. I've heard of the Black Hack, but I've not heard of the Blackest of Deaths. Yeah. Well, it's basically about vehicle shifting robots and, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Transformers. What's not to love? Yeah. Well, I think that's it. That's uh, the end of our favourite game in all the world for this week. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody got anything in that in that game this time, did they? I, I think I think Russ forgot to give any scores whatsoever, so... Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> he oh, has, well. like, the one job, and there you go. Let's just call it, let's just call it, let's just call it a draw, shall we? Fair enough. Oh, well played. I hope you enjoy playing as well, Don. I did indeed. I give you a sportsman-like handshake (laughs) over the internet. It's good to be playing something a little less murder hobo. When we play Space Trekkers, we really get to explore the human condition. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's with this starship in orbit around the planet? Oh, it's a Graxis Battle Scout. Graxis. I hate those guys. Right. Arm quadratic torpedoes lock in on their antimatter storage field and fire. What? Why? I need the XP. 
another 750 XP and high level up. I really want that double-handed karate chop. But but Space Trekkers is all about exploration and diplomacy. It's a game in which we celebrate our differences. Yeah, yeah. Just like Curse of Strahd was a game of chilling gothic horror until I pulled out my Holy Avenger and smoked the vampires until they exploded! Look, just this week, you've killed three Graxis Battle Scouts, two Romulan Warbirds, a Mon Calamari medical cruiser, a six-mile-long mining ship, and Thunderbird 3. Yeah, it's been a great week, hasn't it? I'm nearly a ninth-level starship captain now. But this game isn't about defeating enemies. Last week, you met a sentient robot, and instead of combining resources and knowledge for the greater good, you outlogicked it until it exploded. I know! How awesome was that? I was so glad I took that more logical than mathematics feat. Who needs falcons? I wish you'd take this game seriously. It's a it's a prism through which we can examine issues of today, not a hack-and-slash dungeon crawl. We use images of the far future to shine a light on the present day. I am taking it seriously. I've been working very hard to love up my character. It's not easier when you keep sending me back in time to meet philosophers. I had to be really creative to think of a reason to vaporise Plato. You weren't supposed to vaporise Plato. You were supposed to learn from him. He held one of the nine essential truths of the universe. Whatevs. Truth, schmoof. I suppose you're going to tell me I wasn't supposed to kill Socrates, Aristotle and Pythagoras either. Look, what's going on with this Graxis Battle Scout? Well... You blow it out of the sky using your far superior firepower. Immediately, your comm system lights up and Admiral Blish appears on the screen, demanding to know what you're doing. I tell him it's never a glorious victory for the unified Federal Republic of Planetary Bodies. By the way, you really need to come up with a catchier name. Admiral Blish is not happy. You have violated every directive, both prime and otherwise. He's going to have you court-martialed for war crimes. What level is he? What does that matter? Just trying to make inquiry, maybe figure out his XP value. What are you talking about? We set course for UFRPB headquarters at maximum warp! Shields up, arm the zero energy plasma gun! Oh, this is insane. Okay, the entire Republic Navy is waiting for you. This is a battle you can't possibly win. <laughs> That's what you say. Look, if I'm going out, I'm taking Admiral Blish, Blosh, whatever his name is, with me. I target the command ship and accelerate to ramming speed. I'm going to use the holdo manoeuvre. But that's a one in a million shot. Nobody has ever done that before. <laughs> I'm not just anybody. When I reached seventh level after killing the ambassadors from the heavenly sphere of peace, I took the one in a trillion feat. It gives me a once-only ability to immediately succeed at a single one in a trillion task. Ah, well this is only one in a million. The feat doesn't apply. It would need to be used for something that's a one in a trillion chance. Mm. So you're saying I need to make it more difficult. Okay, what if we accelerate to rowing speed? In reverse. In reverse? Yes. How does that affect the odds? I suppose it makes it more difficult. Probably one in ten million. Mm, not difficult enough. Okay. I'm going to order the entire crew to blindfold themselves. I guess that makes it one in a billion. Getting there. Right, how do I make this more difficult? <sighs> I know! What if we all get really drunk first? I guess that would work. Fine, fine. It's now a one in a trillion shot. Nigh impossible. Or a sure thing, as I like to call it. Okay, we do some shots and then we hit the command ship at rowing speed. What happens? Well, you complete the holdo manoeuvre. The, the command ship is destroyed, as are you. Woo. Mutual destruction has been achieved. Fantastic. What a glorious way to go out. The campaign is over and I never want to see you again. Mm. 
How many XP are you worth? Alright, should we talk about Cubicle 7 then? Let's. Oh, yes, let's. Let's yeah. talk about Cubicle 7. So can we go back in time a little bit, Dom? Absolutely. Like, some of the history of Cubicle 7, because um, yeah. I, I seem to remember Cubicle 7 coming about in, it was early 2000, mid 2000s or so, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah so we, we formed the company um, in December 2006. Yeah, <laughs> then. yeah, yeah, it was, um, um, so uh, Angus Abramson and I formed yeah, the company. Yeah. Initially, we were looking at uh, what well, we, we had uh, Victoriana and Slay Industries. Yeah, you had Slay Industries, didn't you? Yeah, I remember that. And that was my my first um, industry sort of work was uh, <laughs> Slay Industries. I was ed- editing the first edition of Hunter Sheets. Yeah, yeah. Um, on, on Slay Industries. So uh, I remember, um, yeah, looking, putting together sort of like there were some plans and things around about that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and thinking that, you know, maybe, just maybe, if uh, if everything went... Uh, incredibly well and uh, if we worked really hard then maybe just maybe Angus and I would be able to go full time yeah <laughs> and do this for and, and you did I believe yeah yeah I think uh, didn't you get you involved with Rebellion for a while weren't you which uh, That's right. didn't you move yeah. into Rebellion's offices for a while or something yeah like so that? we were doing uh, Victoriana and Slay we had some other plans and ideas and things uh, yeah but uh, one, one of the things that uh, we, we talked about was uh, that, that we could accelerate the growth of the company by acquiring a license you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. A license gives you that kind of ex, um, a couple of rungs up the ladder yeah, um, yeah. in yeah. terms of you know people having heard of what you're doing and having a, an idea about what you're doing so uh, the first thing that we we went for was Doctor Who, thinking this is going to be fantastic pitch practice. You know, we were fairly kind of um, relaxed about it, really. Just uh, you know, we we put together a pitch document, and uh, I mean, it was, it was an eclectic bunch. There was there was, there was uh, so Angus and I, Chris uh, Birch, who went on to found Modifius, yeah, uh, Fred yeah. Hicks of Evil Hat, of course. And um, Dave Chapman, um, who uh, eventually, I was saying I'm giving the game away now, but eventually wrote the Doctor Who uh, role-playing game for yeah, us, yeah. Um, as well as working on you know, lots of other things. So um, that, that was kind of like the the, the, the pitch team. Fred was having to with graphic design and, mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. So obviously he was over in the States. So uh, it was the, the four of us who were UK-based that went, uh, went into BBC Worldwide. Yeah. That must have been a weird experience, especially as your first sort of foray into licensing. Going yeah. to meet the BBC must have been quite. In- was it quite intimidating? Was it? Was it like doing that? It should have been intimidating, um, and I think you know it would be more intimidating now. But we had no expectations of it going anywhere. You know, we thought yeah. it'd be um, great experience, great practice at uh, pitching, and uh, yeah, getting a bit of an inside look at how the process worked. But we were so relaxed going into that first meeting. Yeah. And, yeah. We were kind of like, yeah, we, we were sort of tourists. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, isn't it cool? We're in the BBC. Ah. So I uh, know it was, it was a really interesting experience. And uh I don't think even during the meeting, you know, we, we didn't really realise how well it was going. Yeah. And realised that, you know, we'd been there for an hour and a half when we'd been in, you know, instead of the half hour appointment that had been scheduled. Um, and then we were we were invited back into a second meeting yeah. to talk about terms and things like that. So uh, now the second meeting, we were absolutely 
crapping ourselves. <laughs> it was a completely different kettle of fish. Um, I don't know whether the perception now of like, oh, okay, we've got a chance at this, a real chance at this and, and something to lose. So uh, that was completely different yeah, and definitely the, uh, the nerves were in for that one, but that uh, no, went fine. And I, I, th- I think that it's, it's difficult when, you, when you're trying something new as well, because yeah. um, although um, you know, we, we'd worked on game stuff and we, we'd made stuff, the, it, it, it had very much felt like hobby company. Yeah. Rather than trying something that was another level up professionally. Um, then yeah, I think we, we were definitely feeling it then. But we, we, I think it's one of those things where we should have had more confidence in ourselves. You know, we'd all been successful in, in our areas of work. And, um, you know, we, we were we were a capable bunch. <laughs> I, think, I think if I was in that situation, I would be crapping myself, quite frankly. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's definitely uh, an added factor for something you know, we, we love what we do so yeah, much yeah. and we we love the, the the settings that we work in and um and, you know, and we love the settings that we don't work in too you know, we, we just it's the whole genre isn't it and what yeah. we do it's, um uh, we have a huge amount of fondness for it which if you know, if, if it was just a another licensing business where you know you, we want to make apparel you know yeah or what have you then you know maybe it wouldn't be um have quite that extra edge but uh, it really means something to us so yeah because it's, it's a creative there's a creative yeah. side to it which you know if you're making a lunchbox you're not you know you're not or, or a t-shirt or something there's there isn't really that creative side to it is there you know I mean, yeah it's, it's, i think it's, it's different it's um you know you can be as a product designer you can still be you know pushing those boundaries and be passionate about that mm-hmm. but um we, we have such a relationship with the, the settings and the the games that um, yeah that I often you know, we go back decades with just uh, yeah it, it certainly adds um something to the how much we want to do the things that we put ourselves forward to do <laughs> it's like that's what i was saying it was like there's not there is a creative element to making lunch boxes and so forth but not it's not the same at all yeah yeah i, th- yeah, I think i think it's that relationship you know it, it, yeah i mean it's, it's one of the things um that, that um, especially in the early days i think a lot of people were asking the question you know are you sure you want to make um your hobby your job yeah yeah um, you know are you, are you going to lose the, the relaxation or lose the the escape that that, that sort of you know, that, that sort of activity provides mm. and i think you know from time to time it probably um i think that there's been that there, there has been an element of yeah just wanting to do something else yeah but to be honest not not a huge amount i think i think the um well i think i think a, a job like this is definitely passion driven isn't it it's Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. I think you got to think you're very, very lucky to be doing the thing that you know, or one of the things that you love most of all in the world, yeah. as a job, which is something that most people I don't think can say. No, well, it's it's yeah. I think it's um, it's certainly a privileged position, yeah. and I mean a lot of it is running a small business like any other. There's yeah. all of the. Uh, the admin and, and spreadsheets and spreadsheets and yeah. emails and spreadsheets and, <laughs> <laughs> and oh my god it's six months since i last actually wrote anything and that sort of thing <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. It's, uh, yeah i have to keep every so often it's like no i need to do this bit yeah it's, yeah this bit. yeah it's, it's interesting i mean it's been really interesting i think over the last 18 months as well um there's you know, we've seen such growth 
Yeah, I, th- I think as well as the, the the establishment of the um, of the studio here. Yeah, um, and um, you're seeing that all come together and grow as yeah. Because you've, you've had a big move as well. Yeah, you move from oh, sorry, what you saying. Sorry, you move from London to Ireland. Swindon, yeah, I was in. Um, well, oh, I was you in were in Swindon, Swindon. yeah. Yeah, I was in right. London for oh, about ten years. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, actually, we should pop back uh, in time a little bit, but um, and then with the um, uh, the investment that we had from Rebellion to get yeah. seven off the ground, uh, moved up to Swindon. Then the was it the year before last, twenty eighteen. Time goes so fast now. Yeah, the uh, yeah relocated out uh, to Drogheda um, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as part of that, um, setting up the, the studio here. Yeah, so it's been a couple of big moves. So what, what, what prompted the move to Ireland? A number of things, really. I, I think that the um, some of my wife's family uh, are over here, so yeah. um, being a bit closer for, uh, for family there. But I think it was, you know, we, we were at the right sort of stage of life as well. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it was um, uh, the, the, right, the right time to make a move. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so... After, after after Doctor Who, then, so um, I assume you still got uh, you still have to go in and have meetings with them. And uh, do you get to see like scripts in advance, or uh, do they tell you any of the plot lines before before they hit the TV? Sometimes, yeah, it depended on how much secrecy there was going on at the time. Yeah, um, I think that there was. We um, Dave Chapman and I spent a um, a fantastic day in the Media Village. At White City in the lead up to the um, to Matt Smith um, starting, so yeah, yeah. Like Doctor. They basically they locked us in a room for the day with the series script, so we <laughs> as much notes as we could. I think I started at number seven and yeah. he started at number one, and we just kind of raced through them as quickly as we can, and uh, yeah, to prep for the prep the game. That was uh, yeah, that was really cool. So um, yeah, yeah, there's been some really nice, really really lovely memories like that. Yeah, because with Doctor Who, there's um, it's, it's a bit of a um, a family thing for me as well. Because mm. uh, mm. my uncle Fred was one on the um, the uh, the original effects team that put together the first Daleks. Yeah. So there was sort of like a bit of that, and then my my sister played. Sandra in Christmas Invasion. Wow. David Tennant's mm-hmm. first appearance. So um, that was really nice. And and some of the kind of like the milestones as well, for, for me, for, for Cubicle 7 as, uh, as well, you know, the, finding the our Doctor Who card game in um, the Barnes & Noble on Fifth Avenue in New York. <laughs> in the New York. <laughs> yeah. no, that, is, that is cool. I mean, do, you, yeah. do you get to find out who the new Doctors are before they're announced? Um, no. No, <laughs> I tell you that. <laughs> that tends to be a, a big secret. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we, so you, you, you weren't sitting on Jodie Whittaker for like, not literally, obviously, but... Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, yeah. Um, no, no, no. We, yeah, so, some, th- some things we get a bit of a, a notice on um, and, and other things not. So you know, anything that probably that everybody would be um, drastically keen to find out about uh, they wouldn't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> nah. uh, Fair enough. I love I love the doctor, the um, initiative system in those Doctor Who games that you use, where oh. it's like the talkers go first and the people who are shooting yeah. go last. I always, I think that's a really really yeah. clever idea. Was it? It was talking, doing something, running away, and then shooting. Yeah. That very much captured the spirit of the game. For me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, TV absolutely. series. Yeah. I think it's a really good example of um, you know how you can you can bring. Um, the themes of, of a game into the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people people do say that you can play any genre or any anything with 
any rule set. Like a lot of people yeah. say that about D and D, for example. They, oh, you could do Doctor Who in D and D. Oh, you can do Star Trek in D and D. It's easy. But when you've got a rule set that's designed specifically for that exact thing, you can definitely yeah. see it, and you can definitely see that it works better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like you know the, the one of the amazing things about role playing games, isn't it? Is that you know you, you can do whatever you can put your mind to yeah. and, and the, the right GM will make anything work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, that there's, um, there's, there's such kind of like personal creativity goes into it, mm. but uh, no, I agree. I, I think that ha- having, um, have, having a rule set that, that uh, is um, a good thematic implementation yeah. Yeah. rules wise, it just makes it easier and, and makes the, um, the route to the, the feel of the, of the property that much shorter yeah, yeah, people to, yeah. to get to. If we, if we move on to, say, the uh, Lord of the Rings licence, the Middle-earth licence, mm. what's the experience of getting that compared to the experience of getting... Because that, that's, a, I'd say, a similar sort of scale licence-ish to the Doctor Who licence. What's the experience oh, like doing that know. as opposed to... I'm just wondering if Dom's now experienced uh, has a second career as a dentist because he's so good at pulling teeth now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's it's uh, i mean lord of the rings is something that i've loved since i was a kid yeah so yeah we are working on on that um has been has been fantastic but was that sort of like the same sort of thing a meeting and a pitch and uh you know like like you did with doctor who no no i think because it went through an intermediary it was actually much easier oh right (laughs) oh okay because there's two such big properties and they're two, especially Lord of the Rings is very much a sort of default fantasy kind of, it's the big, it's the big granddaddy of sort of fantasy settings, I guess, in a way. Yeah. I was just wondering how, I was just wondering how it, how it felt at the time, just sort of getting that license and, you know, I'm starting to work on something so, so, I don't know, inspirational and so, so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, elves are generic due to Tolkien. Yeah. And that, is actually a re- uh, it's not just one set of elves there's loads of elves and they're generic and it's like how is that even a thing yeah sorry <laughs> no absolutely yeah it's um yeah as i said you know, I, i'd loved it since i was a kid yeah um, right. so it was, it was fantastic it was um you know definitely one of the things that was uh on the um the, the list of things i would like to work on yeah so. no me too me too yeah i mean you're, do- yeah. you're doing a humble bundle at the moment aren't you Ooh. Yes, yeah. There's on Adventures of Middle Earth. Yes, so that's a great opportunity to uh, to get those. And to get those Adventures of Middle Earth. I mean, we talk about sort of career highlights and things like that. But um, it was but being the guy to bring Lord of the Rings and Five E together was yeah. Definitely- I I always thought that was such a no brainer as well. I was like all the time I was a teenager and all this sort of stuff and going through the years. I was just like and you know long before I was even tangentially involved in the industry. I, was, I don't understand why there isn't a Middle-earth setting for D&D. I never understood why that had never happened. I mean, I realise there's probably licensing issues and things like that, well, but... Well, I think so. My, my understanding, which was just rumour, is that the Tolkien estate was not super keen. So, but maybe times come out and they're like, oh, okay, we know what D&D is, it's not to do with Satanism. Yeah, I think, I think that there's, you know, there's a realisation. Um, I mean, not that it would go that far i suppose but you know there yeah, is a realization yeah. that um it's a rule set um and yeah. you know, with the open game license yeah. it's um it takes out some of the potential conflicts that people could see 
um, perhaps in the past. I don't know. But yeah. At the time was right. So, uh, yeah, it was. It oh, was awesome. uh, I played uh, Adventures in Middle Earth. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so between, between that and the One Ring, just out of curiosity, was there a marked difference in the popularity of the two because one was D&D and one wasn't, or were they pretty similar? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah we love the One Ring, yeah. um, and it's, it's, it's been um, uh, fantastically well-received. The, the the one thing that we were hearing was, but, but I can never get my group to play anything other. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, we all hear that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, when when the the OGL uh, came about, um, I just thought, ah, got to go for it. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, there's all this wonderful material that we've produced. Uh, let's, um, you know, uh, let, let's bring it to as wide an audience as possible and uh, make it available for people who who want to um, stay with the five year rule set. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed, it. especially the journey rules, which. Um, which I think are a great fit. I think um, in the One Ring, they were devised oh. for the One Ring and then translated to Adventures, were they? They were quite different, uh, or a different implementation. Well, yeah, definitely the um, the same sort of source of inspiration. Yeah. I think the, I mean, I wanted to simplify uh, what we'd um, had in the One Ring and just, you know, make it as, as quick as possible. Yeah. So sort of moving on to Warhammer... Mm, yes. So this is this is yet a third license, I guess. Um, um, one of your many collection of collection of licenses. Um, so this is with mm-hmm. Games Workshop. How, how do you end up with that one? Like Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. So yeah. we were at uh, it was at Essen um, actually the oh. the, the uh, Essen uh, the, the game fair. Yeah. We were um, talking to uh, talking to Games Workshop, and they asked if we'd like yeah. to to look into um, licensing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. So, so they came to you rather than the other way around? Yes. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> it was, again, to talk about career highlights. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, and it went from there. Um, absolutely fantastic. And then when we were talking about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, then Age of Sigmar uh, came up as well. Yeah. And um, I you know, loved everything that I'd seen from Age of Sigmar. It's just such a... Um, an imaginative setting with it. There's, there's just so much fantastic stuff. And, and with each um, new release from his workshop, it just keeps getting better and better. Mm. I think, uh, you know, when you've got the, uh, the Caradron with the, uh, the, the, the Dwarven airships, yeah. the engineering, uh, wonderful things that they got with that. Mm. And then the, you know, the, the Ideneth with, uh, you know, having a Elven shark rider, uh, you can't go wrong, can you? Yeah. <laughs> An elven shark, either. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I was familiar with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and I'm familiar with 40k. Yeah. I wasn't so familiar with Age of Sigma. How, how does that relate to, to, to Fantasy Roleplay? So the, the setting for Age of Sigma was where you get to after the end of the old world. Yeah. So uh, there were the end of the end times event. Which, um, yes, brought the, um, the the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay world to its climactic end. Yeah, right. And and the the Age of Sigmar came from that. So you've got you know Sigmar, the uh, uh, principal god of the Empire yeah. in the old world, is um, it all kind of like starts with his um, back, his transition. Yeah, so he he kind of like came to clinging to uh, what was left of the uh, of the old world. And uh, yeah, it kind of went from there, and the yeah. mortal realms have sprung from. So, does that use a different system to fantasy roleplay? It has its own, yes. So, what what was okay. the th- the thinking behind using a different system rather than just advancing the setting on and using the same system? 
So I wanted something that was going to be um, a lot more heroic in scale, a bit more, a bit more epic uh-huh. in scale. And yeah. the uh, it's it's a bit of a gut feel thing, but um, I think that you know dice pools do that very well. I think you know having yeah. a fistful of dice to roll feels right for that level of game. Yeah. I think that the with Waffer up, you know, it's it's a bit. Um, more grim, more perilous, a bit more gritty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and and the game has a long-standing association with the um, the D one hundred system. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, certainly in my head, it was yeah. a an important. I don't know. Yeah, it just just it just works. Yeah, <laughs> it just, it, yeah. It just it's just sort of going back to what we were saying earlier about right. matching the system to the to the genre and how different systems kind oh. of you know emulate yeah. different genres and encourage different styles of play yeah. as well. Like I think. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think we're going to have your uh, Age of Sigma line developer on on the podcast in a few weeks, actually, and we're going yes. to properly properly delve into that. I'm, I'm going to have to bone up on it properly before I do that because uh, the Sigma side of it is new to me, but I am familiar with uh, fantasy role play and um, yeah, no, I, I, it's it's just fantastic. I, I think um, yeah, I, I'm uh, the, for my first ever role playing game was Warhammer. Uh, fancy roleplay first edition yeah yeah i remember that one yeah um and i didn't you know we didn't have any well i, I hadn't found the, the gaming groups in my area at the yeah. time so that was yeah. you know, reading the rule book and yeah. uh, warhammer fantasy roleplay has been really really um i think um impactful on my own game design um, especially the career system and stuff like that that and traveler i think were both Ooh. very very influential on me yeah. yeah both games i played when i was a teenager yeah I never played Traveller, but um, it was the similar thing in things like Dark Conspiracy, wasn't it? And uh, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, um, just going back a bit. Does Twilight like 2000 have a similar kind of life path thing? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, on the tra- Traveller definitely did. I mean, Traveller's the big, yeah. big, yeah. Um, big example of it, isn't it? And then they changed it so you couldn't die in character. <laughs> yeah, damn it. <laughs> I've been trying. So one of the other things that you've done that I loved was your Rocket Age yeah. stuff. Mm. Yeah, oh, we did a load of... Um, yeah, we've done quite a few things over the years. Yeah. Um, well, where to start? Yeah, so Victoriana obviously was, was there at the beginning. Yeah. And Victoriana yeah. will always be lovely. That was the um, the first any award that we won. Yeah. You know, I remember, actually, we were outside and I was a bundle of nerves. Really? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I did, I, and in retrospect, you were telling me not to worry. Mm. Um, and in retrospect, I thought he knew, he was telling me. Oh, was, I would never do that. <laughs> no, no, no. It was uh, it's funny. It's one of my my uh, earlier Gen Con memories. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was that was a really lovely moment yeah. as well because yeah. uh, it was um, Andrew Peregrine, um, obviously, who's mm. uh, been working with you recently was the line developer for Victoriana yeah. at the time. So it was, um, yeah, obviously a very big moment for us winning our first award. Yeah. And then also as a huge Dragonlance fan, it was amazing. Mm. It was presented by Margaret Weiss as well. That was really <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I was lucky not to I was talking about the Ennie, so was, you, once you landed on the scene, you started, like, winning so many awards over the years it was you know every single every single year there's cubicle seven up there again every year without fail and you started doing really 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 well yeah yeah no it was um it's always i'm i get embarrassed easily enough 
that um, it's always <laughs> hard to talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been lovely. It's been it's been you know absolutely um, yeah. It's it's been it's been very gratifying. It's been really yeah. nice. It's always yeah. amazing when we. I suppose when we're reminded of the fact that people um, appreciate what we do, what we do, and yeah. um, you know having a lot of fun with. Um, I, you know, I think that the because role playing games obviously are down the niche end entertainment spectrum and things like that i think sometimes um i mean i think maybe it's just me but i can be a little bit um i don't know you know when you say oh, it's it's just a role-playing game it's yeah. just do you know what i mean it's, it's that it's just statement and it was funny it was coming across the stanley quote which which kind of turned that around for me where um actually i can't remember when he said it or yeah. where it's recorded but he'd said um that you know he he was always kind of apologetic when he was around Really? Um, he'd say it, you know, in the early days, oh, I just, I just make comic book just, characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, he, he realised after... Like, comic meeting, books actually are a form of literature, aren't they? You know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just me- meeting people, you know, over the, the years um, who'd, you know, say, you know, just, just let him know how much they appreciated, yeah. um, how much, um, hmm. how much the, his work had meant to them, how much, you know, how, his, his, the comics had helped people through a difficult spot or, yeah. you know, had been a, uh, a really critical part of, of their lives, um, mm. helping them through very difficult situations. That absolutely kind of, you know, got rid of it for him. That, that allowed him to get over that. And it was yeah. sort of like, you know, actually this is, this is, this is pretty, you know, entertainment is, is important. Of course stuff. it's important. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, wasn't it? But, <laughs> no, sorry, um, sorry. That's me reminding uh, myself of that. <laughs> I mean, just t- talking about Stan Lee and stuff. Just look at what's happened to Marvel now. It's the biggest, yeah. Well, it's the biggest entertainment IP in the world now, isn't it? Yeah, massively so. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's just a testament to the oh, fact right. that the, the comics, you know, wh- whatever he may have thought of them at the time when he was making them, they were, you know, important to people, and those people got older and they made films. Out of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, it, I think that's an important point for us all to, you know, I think if we could all keep in mind with with um, social media and things like that, yeah. that, um, yeah. you know, that, that we all love different things and you know, different things can mean different things to different people. Yeah. You know, it can mm-hmm. a whole range of you know where you are in your life, or it doesn't have to be something that's profound to you for it to be important to somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, let's mm-hmm. let's all be nicer to each other. <laughs> yeah. it's nice to see that role-playing games are just becoming more mainstream anyway now so they're not yep. you know when you, when someone says you know when you say it's just a role-playing game maybe oh. 10 years ago maybe that might have been true but these days now people kind of more understand what what a role-playing is it's not just a role-playing game it's a, it's yeah. a mainstream entertainment yeah. form now absolutely oh. yeah i think I mean, and i think that that'll come down a lot to, to you know when you were a teenager yeah. What where gaming was at that point. So yeah, I suppose was it late eighties, early nineties yeah. was kind of yeah. when I was getting yeah. into it. Um and it certainly did have a bit more of that stigma then. So um, Yeah. I think it's a little bit like that uh Marvel thing where teenagers in the seventies and eighties who were playing, you know, D and D in their bedrooms or school lunchtimes or whatever are now movie executives mm-hmm. and they're now, you know, important business people and you know, they're all, yep. they're, they're people so the people playing D&D aren't just kids in basements. Now they're, you know, they're chat show hosts and actors and all sorts of people and people can visibly see them doing that. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, that's a huge part of it. I mean, that's one of the things that really, um, 
or relates to one of the things that, that takes me by surprise every now and again is, you know, just how young <laughs> role-playing still is, you know. It, yeah. Just, it, in the grand scheme of things, has not been going that long. Um, yeah. So, okay. You know, I think it probably takes a few generations before, like you say, before people who played it in their youth are in positions of influence. And then, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there's, what, 45, 45 years? Is that right? Not yeah, uh, would you count it from the beginning though, or from sort of like the 80s boom? Yeah, yeah, 45, 46 years. Yeah, and but probably hit hit it bigger in the 80s. So really, it's got about 20 years behind. Comic books, well, comic books around in the 20s, though, years. wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, all right. So 50 years. So probably not going to see the uh, like a D and D movie make it really big in the box office. <laughs> I don't mind, dude. There's one in development. Why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to touch anyway. on, Dom? Um, yeah, I suppose uh, Wrath and Glory. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. The 40k RPG, Warhammer 40,000, the intellectual property of Games Workshop. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. What are you doing with it? Yeah, so uh, Wrath and Glory was uh, launched by Ulysses Spiel, yep. and uh, we're looking after it now. And um, we have been um, you know, working on, on putting it into, um, into our, our house style mm. and uh, doing a few tweaks. Um, and it's not far off now. So uh, no, I'm very excited. It's a really um, accessible, fun Warhammer 40k roleplay experience. Ooh. In some ways, it's, like it's the, uh, the story of a system that's been cut off mm. from the rest of the Imperium. So uh, you've got a... Um, yeah, it's, it's an unusual situation where you've got the um, um, all of the, the usual features of the Imperium uh, that we come to know and dread, but it's cut off from the rest of it. You know, what happens in those sort of situations? Yeah. What, 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 what happens in that kind of setup when it's isolated from you know, the central? The site of the glorious beacon of the Astronomicon. Indeed. And our, you know, no, no navigable warp channels can be found to get there. Absolutely. Mm. So, um, in like, there, there seems to be like quite a lot of very cutesy uh, Warhammer 40k stuff released for children, which yeah, I'm okay with. It seems nice, but uh, how would you say? Yeah, yes, it's it's very much grim dark dystopia in the grim dark of the grim dark of the Fortis Millennium. There is only grim dice and darkness. So, um, how are you going for a lighter tone, or is that is that something different from what you're planning? And that's different from what we're planning. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we're, we're more down the gribbly end. <laughs> oh, miles, miles. Extra tentacles. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, um, I would say it's, it's accessible in um, the fact that yeah, I think it's, it's a um, uh, lower initial complexity level. Um, again, it's decent yeah. dice pool. Yeah. It's a nice, oh, you know, intuitive system. You're uh, collecting successes um, or icons on the... Um, uh, the dice, which are basically, if you get a four or a five, it gives you one success. If you get a six, it gives you two successes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then comparing that to, to various sort of um, numbers of successes you need to do certain things. Mm. So no, it's great. Um, we, we've had great fun playtesting that one. Yeah. My commissar has been rightfully awesome and uh, yeah. <laughs> dreaded. Well, it's quite fun when you put lots of points into shouty voice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so what, what have you got planned for, for the launch of this then? You've got a core rule book, I take it. Have you got accessories, adventures? What else is, what else is on the menu? 
Yeah, so we have uh, the after the core book, with the core book. There's um, or shortly afterwards, there's adventures. Yep, um, a uh, an in depth exploration of the Gilead system. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at each of the worlds um, that uh, makes that system in lots of detail and giving loads of um, adventure material. I think that the well, what I always try to do is get as many adventure hooks into setting material as possible. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you know, I think you know that while um, we 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 can all pick out stuff that we like, I think it's always a really good. Um, well, personally, I really appreciate having some half, some worked up ideas um, that you can then run with. Um, yeah. It's a nice kind of halfway point between completely pre-generated adventures and um, yeah. and being left to for yourself from the, yeah. the setting material as it is. So uh, we make sure we've got loads of really interesting points that can be, you know, they're just, you'll be dying to, to work up in the full adventures. Oh, fantastic, yeah. So how, how much of a change is there from the version released by Ulysses Bill sort of last year? Um, there's some um, to uh, some of the implementation of uh, of some things. So that's really vague, isn't it? Um, we, yeah. we, we've done some tweaks, <laughs> but it's still, um, you'll be able to use your character. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it'll still be recognizable. It's not, you know, it, okay. the, um, we will be, um, we will be publishing the changes yeah. so that um, nobody has to buy the book again. Sure. And um, people who have the PDF from drive through the, the new, well, yeah, our version will yeah. be uploaded yeah. to them. So is it, is it like a totally new book or is it just that one sort of, heavily edited i would say yeah we're putting on our own kind of graphic design treatment yeah. and we've commissioned some some um some new art it, it's a representation we wanted to um uh, streamline some things like character generation and yeah. Uh, oh. so yeah we we, we you know, listened to, to some feedback and and you you to see's passed on the feedback that they yeah. had yeah and um ross watson who uh uh, worked on, on the, the Ulysses, or works for the Ulysses, and worked on on the line. Been working with us as well, so we got that continuity of support. Um, and yeah, Ross has been uh, been great to work with on um, making those tweaks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, can't, I cannot wait. I can't. Right. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Dom. Thank you. All. Okay. Uh, so thank you everybody for listening. It has been a blast as always, and thank you so much for to Dom for coming along. Uh, that is going to be a goodbye from me, Russ. That's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild for Players. I very much appreciated the in-depth exploration of British nerd and geek culture, <laughs> which we've just like, gone on some like, massive expedition on. That's been completely fantastic. <laughs> and goodbye from me, Dominic McDowell from Google 7 Entertainment. Apparently I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.